Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Connor, if we continue this slide, that's why I've said all along, we need to build America from the bottom up and the middle out, not from the top down with the trickle-down economics that's always failed us. I can't think of a single time when the middle class has done well that the wealthy haven't done very well. I think of many times, including now, when the wealthy, the super wealthy do very well and the middle class don't do well. Maybe Joe Biden should be taking a look at GDP. Because if we want to talk about the disconnect between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street, I'm here for it. I'm here for it all day. We're talking about it all the time. There is a disconnect. But when you cannot get the goods necessary to be able to sell the product, well, that's not the fault of Wall Street. Now, is it? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. They were expecting a 2.8% growth in GDP. It went to 2%. With the supply chain issues not stopping, and it's more than just policy, but we should be clear that policy on labor, policy on energy are both having a massive effect. Matt Will joins us right now, economist from the University of Indianapolis, mattwill.com, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L. And doctor, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this top line number. GDP 2% was 2.8, which was the expectation from Dow Jones too aggressive, or is the economy in that much of a slide? Well, you know what, Tony? We see a trend here. We keep seeing that we keep missing the forecast. We keep missing the estimates. We've talked about this on your show many times. We keep coming in short. Why? Because of the policies of the government. These are not a pie-in-the-sky estimates by Wall Street. These are realistic estimates from mostly left-leaning economists from big universities. So to come in under even those estimates is pretty alarming. But when you dig down, Tony, it gets worse because the biggest component of this was personal consumption, which increased, which was dramatically increased. It was 0.7% higher than we thought. That means we're eating our savings. We're consuming by dipping into our savings and taking that money out and spending it. This is not a sustainable way to grow your economy by consuming your savings. It's not a Wait, good idea. Let, let's make sure we're, we're, we're following what's going on here. GDP, gross domestic product, was at 2% instead of 2.8. But the consumer spending was higher than ever before. So let's get into some definitions. Give me a definition of GDP. Give me a definition of this consumer spending and then break it down again as to why this is so problematic. Well, I mean, the definition of GDP is fairly complex, but there's, there's consumer spending, there's investments, there's government spending, there's savings components. Consumer spending is the largest component and that was forecasted to come in at 0.9% and it came up at 1.6% meaning that people are spending like crazy, and that's what drove our GDP. It would have been even worse if people weren't spending their savings on consumer goods right now. 
talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist with the University of Indianapolis. Now let's get into what is causing this. We have the inflation that we're talking about, and you have people like Jack Dorsey of Twitter and others talking about hyperinflation. I'd like to get into the definitions there about the difference. And then what causes, as you see it from the government standpoint, this low growth, this only 2% GDP? Well, you know what? I'm tired of reading all these things that say COVID, COVID, COVID. It's not COVID, Tony. COVID Delta is not causing it. It's the lockdowns. It's the government reaction, the self-imposed pain, the restrictions on energy. We're now asking Saudi Arabia to increase energy production when 12 months ago we were energy independent. We were exporting oil. We have a shortage of semiconductors. Why? Because we don't have enough trade. In this GDP figure was a 1.1% decline in exports. Tony, a decline in exports when the world is dying right now for trade. Our government is reducing trade. Our government is locking itself down. We are causing – Biden's thing, I don't know if you want to get into it, Tony, but this $1.85 trillion proposal he put to, on the table today, we have a labor shortage, and the government is going to do infrastructure and $2 billion trillion of spending – is going to compete with labor. It's going to compete with private industry. Why should the government try to expand when there's not enough labor for private industry to expand? That right, makes so no let's, sense. It's completely illogical. Now, we have been discussing this because we heard from one of Obama's former people. Uh, this was the former chair for the Global Development Council under Barack Obama. His name is Mohammed El-Aryan, and he was discussing how we need to put an end to the spending, specifically the buying of bonds. Listen. But if we're still pumping money into the system as far as stimulus, and you've got Congress implementing trillions more in spending, how can the pr these prices ever come down? In fact, won't they just go higher? Final thought. So they will go higher, and the Fed has misread the inflation dynamics in a big way and is still hostage to this notion of transitory. But the first thing you should do is stop injecting $120 billion every month. You should stop that. Do we really need the Fed to buy $40 billion of mortgages and push house prices even higher? No. So you have people out there from both sides of the aisle saying that this spending is too much. The spending continues to grow the inflation. It's a very much a reminiscent of thinking of the Great Depression and seeing the government continuing to try and tinker as opposed to letting the market uh, correct itself. You now have this, it's $1.75 trillion, $1.75, $1.85, what does it matter? Uh, a couple of hundred billion dollars amongst friends, am I right or am I right? Uh, that they want to put out there. And your argument is all of this, this is the same argument that's being made by Obama's former people. It is spending in a time where we have enough cash we don't have enough things but you're now parsing it as the government versus the private sector yes because what they're doing and you hear in the very first two sentences of his new proposal the need for more jobs and better jobs and better pay for the middle class tony we have a private market right now that's driving the minimum wage above 16 dollars an hour we have private market stimulus the last thing that the private industry needs is the government to compete with them. That is not going to grow your economy. It's going to create a bigger labor shortage and more inflation. And surprise, I wasn't even aware of this, but even Obama's 
former economic advisors are saying this. It's pretty bad when everybody across the political spectrum is saying this is a bad idea. Yet here we are. And add to this the supply chain issues. I I talked to... Uh, we're both in the Indianapolis area. I talk to people in the coffee business. They're paying double for a container of green coffee, right? We're talking about uh, the fruit. We're talking about the bean, if you will. And then it gets roasted at the specific roasters. I have cigar manufacturers that can't get cellophane, which the cigar goes into for shipping. They can't get cardboard boxes to be able to box things up and send them in. I know somebody in the spices industry. They can't get the spices from around the globe. And if they did, that's only part of the problem because they can't get the containers. They can't get the plastic or glass containers to be able to sell the spices in. And maybe you could find another container to put spices in. It's very hard to find another container to put oil in and oils and uh, vinegars and things like this. This is an example of what's happening. In the real world, doesn't any of these Biden policies allow us to better uh, or shore up or increase value in uh, strengthen the supply chain? Tony, it's actually doing the opposite. It's not going to add value. It's taking value away because just this morning, the last two hours, Biden announced a 15 percent global minimum tax. That's going to reduce your ability to get the cellophane and the glass and the spices. A 1% tax on stock buybacks, which is going to reduce the ability of companies to raise capital. A 32% increase in taxes on capital gains, which will disincentivize people to build the factory, to create the supply chain, to give you all the parts you just talked about. He's actually proposing things that will harm our ability to dig ourselves out of this hole. If economists of both stripes, well, well, there are more than two stripes, but, but just for the sake of the conversation. Are Republicans and Democrats, uh, you know, uh, the, the Hayek supporters and the Keynesians. And, uh, you know, if, if they're all seeing the, the problem, well, then I ask you as the economist, why is, why is the Biden administration moving down this road? What bad advice are they given? Or does it have nothing to do for them, in your view, with economics? You, Tony, you just stole my sentence. It has nothing to do with economics. It's totally outside of my realm of expertise because it's political. It all has to do with politics and control and bigger government and taking control of the government from the other party. There's nothing economics related to any of his proposals that are on the table. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist from the University of Indianapolis. Go over that list with me Uh, uh, again. The 1% tax on stock buyback. Give me a quick definition on that. Well, whenever you have to, whenever a company purchases stock from the owners, because you can get your profits in a couple of ways. One is the company can give you a dividend check, so you get a check from the company that you own. You're a retiree, you're a senior citizen, you get this check, you live on it. Or they can buy your stock back and say, hey, we're gonna give you the money this way. We'll buy your stock, so now you just sell it to us and you take your profits and you know go to bingo and, and go give your grandkids or $2 bills or whatever you do as a grandparent. Well, now the government's gonna take 1% of that. So every time the company gives you your money back, the government's gonna take a cut of the action, 1%, to begin with. I'm sure it'll go up at some point, but that's where it starts. So that was the side. What, what were the other ones? You had mentioned two others. Yeah, so they're going to increase the top personal tax rate. And I'm going to round the numbers because it's a 39.7%. Okay, 40%, they want to increase it, the top marginal rate, plus a surtax of 3%, plus another surtax of 5%. So the top marginal rate is going to go up to 48%. They want to increase the capital gains rate to 32%, he proposed this morning. It's currently 0, 10, or 20 
for different reasons. He wants to increase the capital gains rate to 32 percent, and then he wants to impose a 3.8, let's say 4 percent tax on investment income for businesses. Small, you know, private businesses, Tony, 90 percent of our company are private businesses. They're not big public stocks. 4 percent tax on those people as well. Yeah, but how does that get applied? Like, like I know what a capital gains tax is, and I, and and I think you know whether you you have a stock sale or, or or a property sale, something like that. You can have a capital gain, and it's short term or long term, depending on how long it was held. But I have no idea how that four percent gets applied. Walk me through it. We don't know yet. That, that's that's part. That's where your tax attorneys and your tax uh, accountants are going to come in to say, how do we change our income stream, Tony? This is what drives me insane. We have to hire these tax experts to figure out how we should generate the income for the companies we own. We shouldn't have to do that, Tony. We should just sell you your spice and your cellophane and your glass and just pay the taxes on that. We shouldn't have to manipulate our business to adhere to the government rules. His name is Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Uh, Before I I let you go, if you were a betting man, taking a look at what this administration is doing, taking a look at some of the indicators that you see. Two questions. Number one, exactly how how bad is our economic outlook in terms of days, weeks, months, years? And number two, when do we start discussing recession? Um, I've already seen discussions of recession in the major financial papers recently, and we're talking maybe middle of next year. Um, everyone thought the, ex- the the expansion was going to be pronounced and long, but we've seen these headwinds now for two quarters, Tony. We've seen the employment and the inflation stuff coming for about six months now. Tony, this middle of next year, um, it's going to be ugly if, if Biden passes all these plans, and it looks like he will. But the inflation will stay well past that. Oh, of course. Of co- inflation probably through the at least the end of next year. And... You know, if the parties change hands in Washington, you might see some pullback from the markets on this. But by the way, Tony, the markets are going up by leaps and bounds. It's going up. It's inflation induced. It's not productivity induced. It's inflation produced. Inflation is causing this bubble across the board, whether it's prices of the things you buy in the store or the price of your investments on Wall Street. Which is why you have to reduce the, the amount of cash, otherwise, or you have to have more stuff to buy, as you often describe it, it's too much cash and not enough stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, Tony, that's the phrase I use all the time. We need more stuff. In fact, right now, I would buy stuff because your money is going to lose value. Your dollar is going to decrease in value, but your stuff may not. I, I, I bought a car. I think that's a smart thing. If it has, uh, you know what, you should take it apart and sell the semiconductors in it. You probably make a fortune right now. You, sir, are a genius. That's actually no joke. I bought it now as opposed to in the spring when I'm probably going to need it because I figured uh, now is the better time. Lord only knows what things are going to cost then. I, I, play, I played the gamble. We're going to see if it pays off. Uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, mattwill.com. I appreciate it. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. I just want to be wanted, oh, I could use a little love sometimes, I just need to be needed. See, sometimes you just got to appreciate the effort. It's what you got to do. And not be insulted. Uh, uh, this is a story about Bed Bath & Beyond and Hanukkah. Uh, Jewish holiday, Festival of Lights, Maccabees, 
Standing strong. The oil lasted for eight days. It's a miracle, I tell you. Now spin a dreidel and give me uh, give me some fried potato. Hot diggity. A lot is so good. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. A friend of mine sent this to me. It's from Bed Bath & Beyond. And producer Ari, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish in case you didn't know. And uh, producer Ari is Jewish in case you didn't know. Producer Ari, uh, it, it, it's a pillow that says Happy Hanukkah, but it's got it's got a phrase on it. I'm going to read you the phrase. I want you to tell me the problem, okay? And and for all for all my people who are who are Jewish, you are welcome to play along. You're not Jewish, you are still welcome to play along. I do not discriminate in this way. Are you ready, producer Ari? Yeah, go for it. Okay, it says Happy Hanukkah. And it it uh, it reads, "Why is this night different from all other nights?" Jews and space. Good effort. Good effort. I didn't have Havana Gila, so I had to play this. Uh, why is this night different from all other nights? It's not uh, not it's not for Hanukkah. It is not for Hanukkah. It is for Passover. Oh, so close. So close, yet just four to five months off base. Within the calendar year, though, so kudos. <laughs> is that what we're doing now? Ah, I, I appreciate the effort. It's uh, Why is this night different from all other nights is, is the four questions, which get asked during the Seder, which is about Passover, which is about the exodus from Egypt. Hanukkah is the festival of lights, not why is this night different from all other nights. This is amazing from Bed Bath & Beyond. I bought two pillows. It's spectacular. But you and I both know there's going to be somebody out there who says, this is so offensive. It's not malicious. How dare you get this wrong? You know if this was about some other religions, you'd have a war on your hands. Simple mistake, no big deal. Of course. Producer Ari, I can remember the photo of a supermarket uh, that, that took, it was, it was, they had a special on ham. And underneath the ham price, it said, great for Hanukkah. There you go. Was it a good price? Uh, it was, actually. That's not the point. The point is, how dare you steal my joke? You're the worst. It's not a big deal. It was a swing and a miss. I don't disagree, but so What? Do we have to get offended by this? Or can we say that's funny? I think this is so great. I bought two of them. I almost bought one for everybody I know. I I, I had to talk myself down. I almost bought a, a baker's dozen to give out to some, some people I know. I got two. I got one for my, my mother. I'm going to be down there for Hanukkah, so it's going to be a nice gift. Sometimes it's just funny. And you're allowed to laugh and not be so offended. You want to be offended? I'll play for you some Joe Biden talking about this build back better nonsense. That story is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So Joe Biden wants you to know there's some kind of deal. I don't know what deal this is. $1.75 trillion in spending? Do the progressives really go along with this? Because they're saying that the progressives are going along with this thing. That the progressives are going to cave. I don't know that until I see it. 
you got to see it to believe it when it comes to the progressives. Why in the world would you ever believe such a thing? These people can't be trusted until the thing is done. It ain't done. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. So what is Joe Biden proposing in this $1.75 trillion worth of spending? $1.75 trillion, which they're going to raise taxes of $1.995 trillion. See, it's paid for. It's not paid for. Joe Biden spoke today. Here's more of what he said. That's why I propose the investments Congress is now considering in two critical pieces of legislation. Positions I ran on as president, positions I announced when I laid out in a joint session of Congress what my economic agenda was. These are not about left versus right or moderate versus progressive or anything else that pits Americans against one another. This is about competitiveness versus complacency. Competitiveness versus complacency. It's about expanding opportunity, not opportunity denied. It's about leading the world or letting the world pass us by. Today, with my Democratic colleagues, we have a framework for my Build Back Better initiative. And here's how it will fundamentally change the lives of millions of people for the better. Millions of you are in the so-called sandwich generation who feel financially squeezed by raising a child and caring for an aging parent. Now, wait a second. I don't argue for a second that that is something that Americans feel all the time and in every single way. I don't make an argument about this at all. But the way you handle such things is not through the spending of more dollars. The way you handle these things is by reducing the burden on those who have to do these things. You reduce the burden. How can we not be reducing the burden? Because everything Joe Biden is discussing is about how government is here to help. There's actually this this weird thing going around, this cartoon about Linda. Have you seen this, Producer Ari? It's, it's, a, it's a cartoon about Linda from Peoria, Illinois. Don't know if you've seen this. No. And what this cartoon shows is the ways that the uh, the uh, White House is going to take care of people. How, how the government is going to uh, be there. Uh, to help you when when you have your baby and be there to help you with with childcare and be there for this the problem here is that when you want to talk about people who are squeezed meaning they're taking care of kids and taking care of parents and that's and that's very very true that does indeed happen we should not deny that that happens you're deciding that the answer is government and government is not the answer here it is. I have seen this before, but it's it's coming back out again. The White House illustrates government cradle-to-grave role with the Life of Linda series in their latest Build Back Better release from Charlie Spearing, who's a very, very good reporter. 
And it starts with Linda in Peoria working in a, in a, in a manufacturing facility, and she's pregnant. She earns $40,000 a year. And in the next slide, uh, she has her son, Leo. And by the way, they refer to her as she, which I consider very sexist. Once Leo is born, Linda begins receiving a child tax credit of of $300 a month, $3,600 annually, to help cover essential costs like groceries, rent, and medicine. This is all about how government is going to care for you. As Leo grows up, the government helps cover the costs for his daycare, guaranteeing that Linda doesn't need to pay more than 7% of her income on child care. And when Leo turns three, he attends a high-quality pre-K program for free. It's not for free. Someone pays for such things. But never mind that. This is about creating the idea that government's job is to do these things. And it's not. It's people's job to do these things. And the way you help them is alleviating the squeeze. Lower taxes. Not doing things that drive up inflation. These things do help quite a great deal. The reduction in regulation so businesses can thrive, so less money is spent on the regulatory burden, and more money can be spent on the people. Because right now we're seeing increases in, in, in wages. You just uh, may have heard Costco is going up to $17 an hour for a minimum wage. Costco, if it comes with free hot dogs, I may have to seriously consider my radio career. Because the hot dog, I could do a hot dog right now. If my wife is listening, go pick up some hot dogs. And get some for producer Ari, too. Thank you. We'll just leave him in a, in a nondescript yard somewhere. He'll go I'll get them. I'll find him. Don't worry about it. Smell his way to him. The, you have wages going up, but if you have inflation going up, the wages uh, do no good. But if you have the, the, the private sector employers doing these kinds of things, you're creating more and more opportunities. If you reduce the regulatory burden on a group like, like Costco or, or, or the series of, of groups, you allow them to pay even more or do more for employees to uh, retain, attract and retain the people who do the job well, which is going to become very, very important. Companies can actually inspire loyalty if they're willing to play this, this this role. But this role becomes very difficult to do when they're competing against the federal government and the government's making demands on them, like we're hearing about this desire for paid family leave. If the company wants to offer paid family leave, I'm fine with it. I actually think it's a pretty fantastic uh, perk. Government-induced cannot be of value. Government doesn't have the right to do this. And now you're going to force it on groups that can't do it. Thus, the prices must go up. Thus, continuing the the squeeze. So you're not doing anybody any good. You're actually hurting them. Back to President Biden. About 820,000 seniors in America and people with disabilities have applied for Medicaid. They're on a waiting list right now. To get home care, they need some help. They don't have to be put. They don't have to be kicked out of their homes, but they need a little help getting around, having their meals made occasionally for them. They don't want to put them in nursing homes, not because of the cost, but because it's a matter of dignity. They want to stay in their homes, but it's hard. You're just looking for an answer, so your parents can keep living independently with dignity. 
For millions of families in America, this, this issue is the most important issue they're facing. It's personal. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to expand services for seniors so families can get help from well-trained, well-paid professionals to help them take care of their parents at home, to cook meals for them, to get their groceries for them, to help them get around, to help them live in their own home with the dignity they deserve to be afforded. Quite frankly, what we found is that this is more popular or as popular as anything else we're proposing because the American people understand the need. It's a matter of dignity and pride. Dignity and pride do not come from government handouts. The absolute detachment here from anything resembling reality From understanding how people work, understanding how they operate and how they really think, how they really and truly feel. Totally detached. It is stunning. But then again, it's not about doing what is valuable and good and is going to help a society that's not what it's about it's never been what it's about it's about the progressive desires wants dreams that's what it's always been about and that's what it continues to do nothing that is being discussed or proposed by joe biden is something that really connects with Midwest Main Street. It is something that absolutely connects with the progressive left. This is how they see themselves. This is their ideological desires. Not what's best for you, but what they've always been thinking of. What they've always fantasized about. That's what we're seeing right here. Our parents. 30 years ago, we ranked number seven among the advanced economies in the world as a share of women working. You know where we are today? We ranked 23rd. 23rd. 7 to 23. Once again, our competitors are investing and we're standing still. Today, there are nearly 2 million women in America not working today simply because they can't afford childcare. Typical family spends about $11,000 a year on childcare. Some states, it's $14,500 a year per child. We're going to make sure nearly all families earning less than $300,000 a year will pay no more than 7% of their income for childcare. And for a family making $100,000 a year, that will save them more than $5,000 in child care. This is a fundamental game changer for families and for our economy, as more parents, especially women, can get back to work and work in the workforce. I'm looking at a lot of significant press people in front of me. A lot of them are working, working mothers. They know what it costs. I remember when I got to the Senate, I lost my wife and daughter in an accident. My two boys. All right, now I got to finish. I'm sorry. 
I've done everything I can. I've heard all that I'm going to hear. He's going to once again invoke his family. You got to be able to go a speech without invoking your the death of your children. You got to be able to do it because the country, with all due respect to you, there, Mr. President, they're not interested. They don't. They they're not angry at you, but they're getting there. They're really and truly getting there. Stop telling them that they should listen to you because you had a tragedy. They're trying to avoid the tragedy in their life. They're trying to avoid, to the very best of their ability, the tragedy of losing it all. They're trying to figure out how to make things work in this economy. And you're not making anything easier. You're making it worse. Much, much, much worse. Because you're not listening to Midwest Main Street. You're listening to Ocasio-Cortez and she doesn't know anything. It's amazing that somebody can have a degree in economics and not have learned anything. Yet here we are. Oh, you know, I, I, you're not alone. Things don't feel good right now. They really and truly don't feel good. They feel like it's, the the, the term we use around here in in my home is uh, things feel unsettling. They feel unsettling. Something is off base. Something is problematic. Something is 150% improper. You're not alone in that feeling. And when you hear Joe Biden continue, continue this, I don't know what you want to call it, this fetish. We're not allowed to say anything about you because you you had some tragedies. We've all had tragedies. We're trying to avoid more of them. That's it. Bad things are afoot. Now, if you're asking me, does this pass? Well, I can't answer that question yet. But let's discuss it. More to come. I'm Tony Katz. I was very happy to see the United States kick a Chinese phone manufacturer and service provider out of the country. This is the right thing to do. Communist Chinese cannot be trusted. There's no such thing as a Chinese-owned company that is not a Communist Party-owned company, and therefore they should not be allowed to operate in the U.S. This is the right thing to do. While that's happening, Anna Navarro, uh, from CNN and The View, claims to be a Republican. It's hilarious. Uh, She uh, saw Senator Sinema... Kirsten Cinema presiding over the Senate, and she's wearing a denim vest. And now they're they're going after her, of course, for the denim vest, as we've been discussing. How dare she? She's wearing a denim vest. I admit it's not normally what you see on the floor of the Senate. Anna Navarro tweets out, I really don't care who gets triggered by me bringing race into this. The truth is, no woman of color could possibly dress like this and act like this and be taken seriously, much less elected. 
I suspect every black woman and Latina reading this knows what I'm talking about. You can't escape. You cannot escape the people who want everything to be about race all the time and in every single way. You cannot escape the wokeness. You cannot escape the, the, the desire to find it, to find the hate. It's never-ending. It is unyielding. I don't know if I'm supposed to even comment on these things or just look at it and say, well, there's a dope saying a dopey thing. Move on. Maybe I should. Maybe we'd be all be better off. But if you don't see it, if you don't hear about it, you might think that, that everything is, uh, is fine. These people, they'll find something to be infuriated by. They'll find something to be outraged by. It's who they are. They got to they gotta find anything. I don't want to live in that world. Ugh. So I'm curious what Nancy Pelosi might say about this $1.75 million trillion package. But I still don't buy that everybody is down with it. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.